Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower. As usual, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com. Want to support the show? In addition to becoming a general manager subscriber over there at UTH Dynasty, you can support it by becoming a UTH patron. Uh, there's a thriving UTH VIP chat uh, for the uh, thriving super fans, I like to say, as well as some unique and exclusive content you can get there as a new UTH patron. Uh, Tim Torch is there doing a show every Every single week, I do some bonus content. Um, so again, never a dull moment, whether you're looking to subscribe to the site, get rankings, metrics, all that good stuff. You hear Katie on a weekly basis with me and you say, I want more. I want more. Uh, well, there are plenty of avenues to do that through both of those vehicles. And Katie, we're, it feels like there's a crackle in the air, doesn't it? I mean, the last week, we've actually been getting some quasi-normal June-type news. And it sounds like football is on the cusp. I mean, people say like the Zoom meetings are, are kind of stopping for NFL teams. We are getting re- very close, unlike baseball, of maybe some legitimate activities going on on the NFL sphere here. And one of them, the news ferry, sometimes we miss it by eight hours. Sometimes we get it uh, right here on uh, on Broadway. And, and we got it this week because Dalvin Cook, uh, along with some of these other rookie contract finishing type uh, running backs that have produced so far where, hey, they want their money. We can totally understand that. Running back is a tough, cold business, whether you're producing or not in the NFL, the churn and burn of the position. But Dalvin Cook is out there first, uh, first and foremost, of these potential holdouts where it sounds like, I'm not coming to camp. Give me my contract. Give me my money. And uh, I've got one year left. I want an extension. I want big money. Maybe not McCaffrey money, but big money. And uh, it's it's very... Uh, it's a very interesting scenario because we saw this with older players in Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell the past two off seasons. Yeah, it's funny because I did a very un-Katie-like thing this week. I got a trade offer and I rejected the two trade offers that I had. And then I countered. And just as I hit send on the counter, I got a text message from you, Dalvin Cook to hold out. Oh. And I immediately revoked my trade offer. And then I went and looked at Roto World. Normally, I'll go to Roto World first, but it was a decent offer. So it wasn't really suspect. Usually when you get an offer that's too good to be true, that's when you go to Roto World to see, okay, who just got busted for drugs or who just raped somebody or or whose life is upside right. down now because of something they did. Um What's different? What's different this moment as opposed this to an hour ago? This was actually a decent trade offer worth countering, and it didn't even occur to me to check Roto World because I was so I was in the middle of a million things, and like I said, a very uncatied like thing. But thankfully, your text was at perfect timing. Wow. Tim is usually the one yeah, breaking exactly. things. I'm normally not. I was like, I was like, I'm surprised no one posted it here. I'll just make sure. Wow, I had no idea. It actually influenced. 
I even said it as soon as as soon as you said something. I wow. even mentioned. I was like, wow, no wonder I just got that trade offer. <laughs> So did that trade die on oh, the table? Oh, it died. It immediately died. And okay, the, completely. Like they didn't come back with well, a different offer. So or a day like later, I've got Madison in that league, and so a day later, I offered him Madison uh, for something I thought was decent. For you know, if he's the starting running back, he's gonna take that to get him. And yeah. uh, the guy rejected it and sent me such a low ball offer on Madison. I just, I was like, okay, that's it. We're done. You're not interested. I can tell. Yeah, and, and something I know we've talked about, whether it's our own teams or, you know, you can talk about it maybe within the scope of Devi or incoming rookies, but the idea of here's what I think a player could be. Now, that could be with a running back of if they get a starting role, dot, 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 in some capacity. It could be if a wide receiver gets a better quarterback or, man, this system system stinks for, for said player. Anything like that of just this this idea of, Here's the the potential for a player and you see it or you see the possibilities and you say, this is what we think we or I think this would be worth. But then you also say, well, here's where we are now. And I always think, you know, James Conner a couple years ago or Austin Eckler. Exactly. It's always He's an interesting perfect. scenario yep. because you say we're actually getting tea leaves where this is more possible than just saying an injury fuels this because Dalvin cook has been one that's missed substantial time outside of last season. It felt very Leonard, uh, Leonard, uh, Fournette like in terms of, are you going to double? Yeah. <laughs> Fournette asked, are you, are you going to double down or triple down on a player that has had durability issues? And now we're adding the holdout, but I just wanted to mention the durability as well of saying, right. Uh, you know, how many times are you going to try to roll a seven, you know, or roll something that the odds aren't really in your favor um, over and over again? You know, I always say Marshawn Lynch, you know, where he played every game for four straight years. It's like that doesn't happen at the running back position. Like, yeah. good luck trying to predict that, you know, and, and that that's subterfuged uh, uh, Robert Turbin and Kristen Michael from maybe getting opportunities then. But now you have a two-way go with Alexander Madison of Cook being injured or Cook – I think you said it right with uh, with these other players holding out. You said, what if you know they just report at the very last second? You know, what if now are they really ready to go? You know, are they more at risk to maybe sustain an injury right off the bat? Oh, absolutely. There's so many factors involved. I had a listener that was questioning, you know, if you were going to sell Alexander Madison today, what would you sell him for? Yeah. And it harkens back to the James Conner discussion. And I don't think I got near enough for James Conner. And now I'm more staunch on Madison because we've seen Madison perform. We've seen him do well last year. So I know he can do it. I know he can carry the load. I've got no question in my mind. Can he be as good as James Conner? Absolutely. Can he be better? Absolutely. Is the possibility of Dalvin Cook holding out high? I do think so. So for me, I'm either not going to sell Madison or I'm going to hold on for a, a boatload from whoever wants to buy him a low offer isn't going to get it done and even if I got him at 210 and I was looking at some of my drafts I got him anywhere from 206 210 uh, mostly uh, in that range but you know I would not take this year's 202 I I would want somebody like a DeAndre Swift or uh, you know if I could add just a little piece to Madison to get Swift or Akers or Dobbins or one of those guys I would do that but Otherwise, I'm holding him because his his value when he plays 
will only go up. And I do think he will get that opportunity to either because of the holdout or because of an injury or because of an injury because of the holdout. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's three possibilities right there that could all be very plausible. And, and another one is he begrudgingly comes back. Let's say maybe he misses a little bit of time during the season, but it's nothing substantial. And then he's going to be moving on. You know, he wants as much or more than he's asking for now. And he says, I finally got here to free agency, you know, and, and I want to roll, you know, and I, I want a new opportunity. I want someone who, you know, appreciates me. All of the dialogue we hear sometimes about players. So there's an, uh, so and there's a long way to go on the rookie contract of Alexander Madison of saying he's kind of locked in there and there's a lot of ways for him to become the unquestioned starter for a chunk of the time, if not more. Right. And it's not as if we haven't seen him. We saw Madison right. play and we had high hopes on him before. You you had him pegged uh, early. And yeah. so a lot of listeners got a lot of shares. I would hold on with a vice grip for the right offer or just reap the benefits of having him on your team as a starter that you didn't really count on. You've found money. Yeah, there's there's two kind of ways I look at this because this is here. Well, here's one benefit, as I'll say, because Madison, again, he did enough. He kind of forced into a, a quasi committee. I mean, he got more touches with a healthy Dalvin Cook last year. Now, obviously, it was a run centric team than a lot of people would have guessed. And part of that is, you know, Madison can play. So this isn't a, say, Justin Jackson situation. Or I'm trying to think of somebody, you know, with not a whole lot of pedigree. Right. Someone that it's like the reason you would be interested is purely situational. Purely if he is the, the, the he man standing. He has standalone, right. He has yeah, standalone but, but value. But Madison has standalone value. And, and that is the appealing part. You say he is more liquid as a talent or as a, a profile, just like James Conner. You know, you said he went to the ugly situation. I think there's a lot of parallels. Now, I think ultimately Madison is a little bit better of a player. Um, I, I think he, I think he has more juice, and he doesn't quite need the same force feeding nature of touches to do as much or more with an opportunity. You know, if they were in the same situation, so right, so, and that's to, why I yeah. say that I, I knew James Conner had great value, but I still undersold him for whatever the reason at the time in not in all cases I kept him in in many cases too but I'm not going to make that same mistake again Madison was pegged early as somebody that had that kind of juice he's looked good he's looked the part he has long-term standalone value Cook may not even be there next year even if he doesn't hold out this year there's so many reasons why unless there's that godfather type deal yeah and i love what you said that that i mean you immediately started about as high as i thought you were going to venture down that road which is you said you know i'd like to add you know if i could add and it sounds like madison maybe in something in the second round and get into that running back zone of getting a swift or a dobbins or acres or you know someone in that top five type zone and i guess that would extend in superflex getting to inside the top seven you know so if your draft is yet to occur and, and that's why I, I say the conversation for me needs to start with, and again, this is dependent on team too, because I, he's someone that I targeted. I'm perfectly happy adding him to, and this is why we say you have a bunch of running backs. Let's see how it pans out, you know, because right. Madison might be an auto start for most or all the season. That's a, within the range of outcomes now, and it probably was before as well. So, but so that is just a, you're adding a guy that could be so impactful for your team where now you go from, 
you know, maybe you're an eight and five projection to now you're 10 and 10 and three. You know, I mean, this is the difference between a buy and not a buy or making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. One player like this, one running back hitting to this degree can be the difference between a successful season and one that you deem unsuccessful. So it's very, I always say like, it has to start with a first and a first and a player that you actually like. That's the absolute minimum entry into the dance, into the door, uh, into the sporting event of trading for for my Madison. Because, and I don't care what the market is. If if people aren't trading him for that, I say good. You know, people that are trading him lower than that, I think you're selling short. And I think you maybe begrudgingly took Madison for some ancillary reason than he was a target player in your draft last year. That's all I can kind of come up with. Right, and I will even go so far as to say, if you if you have had your draft. I would still target teams that have Dobbins, Akers, Swift, more so Dobbins and Swift because they're more in the committee right. type, uh, whereas Akers has more of a clear path. If if you don't think he's going to beat Daryl Henderson, think again. But <laughs> if if somebody does, doesn't believe that, then you might even be able to get him. But because of the committee nature that Swift – and Dobbins are potentially in, and it may take a while for them to break out. Madison has a more clear path to bell cow ship. And right. so why wouldn't he be worth very close in value to that, to a team, especially, you know, at this point where there's a lot of speculation on what's that committee going to look like and how many touches are they going to have? Uh, if somebody wanted to ensure themselves a starter, then Madison would be the guy. Right. And I, and I think this is, again, it's June. It's early June. And so thinking of, man, I got to cash out. Man, I got a profit off of, I, you know, I drafted him at 209 last year or 211, and whatever it is. There's not a clock on this. You know, right. this there is, isn't. He's not a hot potato. This is the patience thing. You know, I mean, this is why, you, like, just enjoy the fact that you have such leverage of getting a guy that could be a multiple win over replacement type addition to your team that, you know, you stashed him. Again, you drafted him last year. We talk all the time about you just put these guys on simmer, you know, on your bench, on your taxi squad. And this is the reason you put running backs like this. You draft Damian Harris, you draft, uh, you know, Alexander Madison, you know, this year, maybe it's AJ Dillon where you just, I don't know how this plays out. It is, it should be your, your analysis of the situation that they, they walk into day one, but, right. but you know what day two guys, Madison is one. Connor was another, uh, all the other guys I just mentioned are others where you say, you know, they get their shot. Guys that aren't 192 pounds on day two, they get a shot at some point during their rookie deal. And will that happen because of injury? Will that happen because a player is traded away a la, you know, again, Nick Chubb, right? They just traded him away, traded away Carlos Hyde midseason. There are a number of, or again, a giant injury that maybe makes that player expendable in the next offseason because the, the the now replacement starter plays well. And now they're the guy, you know, new yeah. role. So all these different avenues. But the point is, these are the exact profiles to stay completely patient with and say, it might be a year. It might be two years. You're still waiting on the injury. You're still waiting on things. You know, I think we talked about Le'Veon Bell. You got other avenues of potentially the substance abuse program, right? I mean, there were a number of avenues to, that maybe this is how a player gets a shot. And another avenue now we're seeing be very trendy is, is the holdout. And so here's one more point I want to make on this subject. I would not, and I repeat, I would not, unless it's a super flex, and even then, it would have to be a really bad team, but a really bad team probably isn't going to trade for Madison at this point anyway. 
but to a strong team, I'm not going to trade him for a rando first, 2021 first. That class is not anywhere near as deep. There's no running backs that are going to be like this. And even the wide receivers, you could still probably at some point buy low on them. I would not trade Madison for a future first plus. It has to be this year's first, and it has to be top six in that, you know, two through six range. Um, Even if I have to kick in a little bit more to do that, that's what I would do, or I'm going to hold on to him, or a player of that kind of ilk plus a pick or something. That's optimal. And and I think here's an important point too. You know, Madison, you can say, can I pivot? Can I pivot and use him now as a much more valuable poker piece to get myself a core player? Someone who, you know, you have to view better. You have to view improved upon what this profile, what this opportunity could be. And in June, I think it's going to be tough to do that. Now, if you get to August and we're getting a lot more Melvin Gordon-esque tinglies of He's still nowhere around. You know, I mean, this is legitimate. Um, He could be gone for a chunk of the season. We saw Eckler be very viable with Melvin Gordon coming back. You know, that's just, it can be hard to get into the flow when it's week 10, you know, or or whenever he resurfaces, um, if he resurfaces. So we will get a lot more tea leaves, and this is only going to fuel, you know, as other podcasts or higher level trades are executed, because there's an entire uh, scope and arc of this of, oh, so-and-so sold for too little. So-and-so, wow, I can't believe you got that for Madison. Like, there's going to be a lot of data points, more data points over the next one to two months that you're going to be able to see, observe, you're going to hear on shows. And that's a positive because it's going to get more intense. And again, Think of it in James Conner. Like James Conner, I remember you get all the way to now we don't know if if uh, Le'Veon Bell was going to start the season. That was the moment you can get a first-round pick. So with Madison, right. he was kind of fringy, right? I mean, he was worth a second and something else probably to the general marketplace. And now, you know, maybe a fringe, you know, 112 kind of first. Um, but now you've got to keep moving up, like you're saying. And I think in August it's going to be higher than it is today more likely than it is lower. So I I just don't think there's a lot of urgency other than what you said, which is if your rookie draft is coming up, can you get one of those top running backs? And that's when it becomes worthwhile as opposed to saying kicking the can is absolutely because you're kicking it a year. What if Madison does something, you know, gets opportunities that you wish and, and you're giving them to a team that if you're getting that first, you're aiding them. And all of a sudden now a mid becomes a late and early becomes a mid. I mean, there's a yep. lot of moving pieces by you aiding their team. Exactly. And then the other thing to not overlook by selling him later, you have the opportunity to buy low on somebody that's struggling, get or an hurt. injury. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Gets an injury in camp. Any one of those running backs or say a Jerry Judy, a CD lamb, Jalen Rager, somebody with a slow start, better pedigree, but then maybe it maybe even is a just a straight up swap. And how cool yeah. would that be? Exactly, I, and we've seen things like that, right? I yeah. always think back oh, to yeah. Odell Beckham. I mean, think of of the difference between May, early May, and August, the year where uh, you had. Uh, Two and three, it was Darius Geis and Nick Chubb in some order. And both of them, all of a sudden, Nick Chubb was going five or six, you know, by by August or maybe even July. And Darius Geis had his injury and he had fallen through the floor uh, 
you know, uh, comparatively from where he was going at two or three um, within that class, if you were redrafting rookies or trading for those players. Um, but yeah, and, and starting the season, I don't think that either one of us is saying there's much risk. I mean, Madison's going to have a top 12-ish projection any week. If, if Dalvin Cook is starting the season, not on the team, then, I mean, wheels up and Madison's going to be in your lineup week one. There's not a lot of, of, of quibbling there. So, right. again, you have something pretty liquid where you can start the season and outside of a week one or week two injury, I mean, you've got some time to say, let's see how things go. If I'm 0-4, I mean, and, and Madison's playing for you, then, yeah, maybe, you know, you pivot to an underperforming starter, uh, you know, of those, of those rookie running backs or putting together a package that you think long-term makes better sense. And you're clearing Madison off of your roster where you say, I'm just not going to have time to catch up here. So, so then you have a lot more options because now he's young with the job and producing, and it's during the season when people are going to chase that production a lot more. Exactly. All right. Um, I, I wrote down a few other random things, but that was one of the the bigger items I wanted to discuss. Now let's finish that topic because I've seen things of Alvin Kamara could be in the same boat. Joe Mixon could be in the same boat of rookie deals. They've outperformed to some degree uh, Kamara more than Mixon so far. And, you know, is there a plan there in terms of you have a little bit of pause with those players? Um, obviously, Latavius Murray is a little more one-to-one of saying, boy, we've seen him in that role as as recently as last year. Giovanni Bernard, I'm not really sure he's going to be the man. He's going to get one-to-one or 89% of the touches Joe Mixon would if Mixon were to hold out. What's your kind of assessment as we don't really have clarity like with Dalvin Cook proclaiming his status as of now? Right. I, I think that a lot of UTH owners already own Latavius Murray, already own Gio Bernard. They're not somebody that you want to speculatively go after unless really, really super cheap. I've seen him thrown around for super cheap in many trades, but the more that Dalvin Cook hype uh, and the possibility of holding out, the more that people are talking about Mixon and Kamara and then owners that were behind are going to start to say, oh, wow, I better I better start thinking about that possibility and obtaining a copy of said player. But they're not the same standalone value, as you mentioned, as Madison. And it's going to be much more difficult to... It, they would be more the type that you have to keep in order to reap the benefits to have them on your own team rather than you're probably not going to get what they're worth in a trade uh, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, Latavius Murray, I mean, again, we've seen him be a, a rock-solid top 12, top 15 guy, you know, those weeks where Kamara's out and same offense, all that similarities. But he's old enough, and, you know, the tread is gone from his, his market value that you're just not going to be able to get a future first. Like, that's going to be really tough to pull um, right. considering the marketplace and, and how many running backs are young with pedigree, you know, chances to be in firm committees and or more uh, starting roles um, outside of the the clear studs and, you know, guys you know at the top of the positional board. So that's one. I do think the, 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 the Bengals would be a little bit intriguing just because, you know, there's some wild cards on that depth chart. Rodney Anderson is one that you really haven't heard from from a while. Durability has been a huge thing with him. Uh, but I have one- seen people try to pick him and uh, Travion yeah. Williams. Williams up off waivers yeah. recently. He, they've been stashing them. 
Yeah, pretty interesting. So, I mean, just to rewind, I mean, Roddy Anderson is one that was 220 plus pounds, pretty good mover. And, but, but again, he really has not been healthy much at all. I think he had that one year at Oklahoma. Yeah. So, so he's one that, and again, he was on the shelf his rookie year pretty much the entire time. So just, he's an absolute incomplete of, we don't know what we have here NFL wise, but he's pretty much the guy on that depth chart that has some prototypical size and you say perfect storm. This could be something, you know, if Mixon were out for a, a, a definitely an extended period of time. Because Geo, again, he even uh, year one as a rookie, he wasn't really that that prototypical guy. Trevion Williams, you know, he runs big, but he's still a smaller back. So there are some limitations there. And and the other part is, you know, some of these depth charts where I think it, uh, especially with Cincinnati, it could be different. You know, if Mixon was on the same path as Dalvin Cook, they might be interested in bringing in, you know, one of these other veterans where you say... That was going to be my yeah, next, the, my the next Saints point. And, Saints and the Vikings, they probably feel good with their in-house options. The, the And the Bengals, it might be a Fugazi, to use a KD term, situation. <laughs> right, yeah, because you've got uh, Devonta Freeman, Lamar Miller... And then a bunch of, I'm trying to think if there was any But those other. are a couple of notables. Yeah, I mean, Carlos right. Hyde was out Carlos there Hyde until recently. Carlos Hyde just signed with Seattle. He knows his role. Right. But Freeman is that guy lurking, right? I mean, yeah. that you said, and Lamar Miller as but, well. Saying, but we, Freeman is holding out for big money, so I don't know that's going to be that <laughs> right. viable, whereas a guy like Lamar Miller... Might come in the, for a million and a half for one and right. try to get his career back, you know, with... Uh, you know, compressions on his chest, all of a sudden he's going to be alive for a meaningful role as he's auditioning for future work as well. Right. Okay. Um, one thing I wrote down uh, is, have you given up on Corey Davis? Where is your? Where are you on the scale? I am, as far as uh, trying to obtain him, I've given up. But I haven't been selling, having a fire sale either if I oh. have him. Uh, so I've been not doing anything, no action items for me okay. on him. So you're neutral. You're, ag- right, you're market neutral. agnostic. I, it's at late second to mid third or so is p- pretty much the, the rookie draft equivalency I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't drop him. And I wouldn't, I mean, if he came on waivers, I'd put some money down on him. But I'm not, uh, unless somebody were willing to take next year's second. Okay. And but I'm not even shopping for it. if if that offer dropped on my doorstep I'd probably depending on my team I'd probably take it. Yeah, and, and he's one that again if I see him on a on a team that I'm already sending an offer he's one where maybe I throw, throw in, in. Yeah. A, another piece and throw in Corey Davis and uh, and yeah trying to go through that method he strikes me as though and again I watched you know a ton of his games this past year every single route he's getting yeah. open like it just it's, it reeks of a what is going on here scenario AJ Brown is great uh, and they. But but this is an offense where just there were so many deficiencies with Marcus Mariota, and then it switches over to Tannehill, who had eyes, and for good reason, for A.J. Brown. It's a run-centric team. Like, there's just a number of reasons where I think Corey Davis could absolutely, you know, within the next couple of seasons, start doing things that people have maybe already given up as a range of outcome for him. Yeah. Um, all right. I have to ask because it's June, so we're getting closer and closer, Katie, and they have done nothing. Jared Stidham versus Brian Hoyer. It's going to be Stidham. Okay, it's going to be Stidham. Yep. All right, and and if if Hoyer is on the Superflex waiver wire, where let's say I'll put out a number, if forty-five to fifty quarterbacks are owned, would you pick up Brian Hoyer? I. You've got you've got like six of them. You're going to try to figure out a way to pick up Brian Hoyer. If I've got six no? of them, no. But if I've got three or four, I might give him a shot. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because both of them familiar with the system, obviously, so there's no maybe inherent advantage of maybe a reduced ramp up to the season or something like that. It sounds like they're going to find out what they have with Stidham, and I'm not going to say that right. that's a bad that's idea. That's what they're going to do is they're going to find out what they've got in Stidham one way or the other so that they know going into 2021 draft whether they need to address it or not. Okay. And would you would you there's say... There's still some free agent quarterbacks out there. And Would you say reduced odds of getting, say, a Cam Newton from a couple months ago? I'd actually rather see them go with a Jameis Winston, but didn't he already yeah. land somewhere? Or is he still... Jameis Winston? Yeah, he's with the Saints. Yeah, okay. One year, right, one year one deal. Year deal. So, so they have to trade for him now. Right, right, right. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no. I, They never seemed that interested in Cam Newton for whatever reason. Right. And... So I still go back. I don't even know, you know, is he healthy? How beat up is yeah, he? Yeah, we mean, don't know. He might actually need this year to just sort of get healed and Buy you know, factor, factor, factory reset. Right, right. Some more uh, pashminas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I wanted to also ask you, um, round one startup draft. So we all get, you know, plenty of questions with people starting their draft. They're really interested about, about round one. And it's an interesting year, I think, because a lot of the wide receivers, I'm not going to say they're old, but they're on the older side from what we have seen maybe the last three, four years because it's a lot of the same names. Uh, so now we have, you know, the 27, 28 uh, type year uh, old wide receivers. We've got a ton of young running backs. I know your typical, uh, you know, thinking back to your pre- our previous conversations many over the years is get those wide receivers early. You know, you can get running backs later and through a more varied means, uh, we'll say. But what is your typical, like, is there one or two guys this year that if, if folks are asking you where, you know, wherever they are in round one, you say, hey, here's a couple thoughts I have on players that I would be targeting or avoiding. Guys like DeAndre Hopkins are still in round one. Um, Amari Cooper's more out of round one, early round two, and Mike Evans is sliding to the end of round yeah. two, early round three-ish. But Devontae Adams is still, I think, up there. Tyreek Hill is still up there. Yep. Um, and so, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, and right? Right. Uh, if I could not trade back, I would still take... You're still going wide receiver. I would still take any one of them. But I would also, if... Saquon or Christian. I mean, it's got to be a stud running back. There's a lot of running backs. But if a guy like Austin Eckler is in round two or Aaron Jones is in round two, I'm avoiding them. Josh Jacobs, I would take. I would take uh, any of the young Jonathan Taylor, uh, Cam Akers, any of those guys that I do think are studs. Um, But I do like DJ Moore. So depending on where he is compared to them, you know, it's it's all relative. I I would absolutely try to trade back out of the first. That's always my move anyway. But short of that, there's there's probably an equal number of wide receivers as well as running backs that I would consider. Okay. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think it's maybe more flat outside of McCaffrey and Barkley. It feels more flat from that point through sometimes even the mid to later second round, that whole zone feels like it is uh, symmetrical more so than any year I can remember. You know, that you could be at three, you know, in a, in a one quarterback league. And if McCaffrey and Barkley go, you sit there and go, well, I should kind of accept, I could kind of accept the same thing if I'm moving to 105 or if I'm moving to 208. Yeah, but I guess it all depends. 
the way that I look at it is what is the perception of the player. And just like in rookie drafts, if there's a perception by the entire league that there's eight guys that are all the same, you're not going to get any movement. Right. It, and that's the same thing with startup drafts. If there's in the perception of the league that there's eight or ten, that it's a flat tier, that's the narrative and you're not going to get any movement. You're not going to get even a sniff of anything worth making the trade. So you may, may as well pick best player available in on your board, whoever that may be, um, and and go with it. Yeah, we, and we've seen that the opposite work too. I mean, if there's a tier ending, and I think it's easier to see maybe in rookie drafts as opposed to a startup draft uh, scenario where everyone's just kind of zoomed in and locked and focused where you say, here's where things are ending, uh, then to move up that one spot can be as pricey as as trying to move you know, five, 10 spots sometimes if it's a more flat tier. Um, I, I, I was going to ask, what do you think, and now that we've kind of settled after the NFL draft a little bit, where you see... How high um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jonathan Taylor specifically um, are going uh, within the position and and within the startup draft? Okay. Oh, in a startup. In that top. In a, yeah, yeah, top fifteen or so. You know, like that early second, maybe even someone at, you know, one oh nine to one twelve drafting one of them. Does that feel about right? Uh, if you were to have your your globe, uh, your your uh, crystal ball from from April and, and knowing the information we know today? For Jonathan Taylor, yes. For Clyde Edwards-Alaire, no. I don't put them in the okay. same ilk, not even close. And I think that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is somebody that is escalated because of the coach factor and the, the landing spot factor. And they've already crowned him the King Jewel. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he is going to be the bell cow, even though, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think it's too rich. And there's so many other guys that I would much rather have. But Jonathan yeah. Taylor, I do believe in his profile, in his talent, in his everything. His landing spot isn't quite as good. But even still, I always take talent over landing spot anyway. And Would you be surprised if Jonathan Taylor was a top three or four startup pick in January? I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I would not be surprised. Yeah, me either. Because he'd be 20, 21 or 22, and he would have... Again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is a Nick Chubb-type situation where you say, oh, there's a, this nice little committee going on. Isn't that cute with Mel, with uh, Marlon Mack? And then by midseason, it completely changes over. And I said this a few months ago when... Any time past February when, when you were drafting uh, the 101 draft slot, and that draft slot was going anywhere from 206 to 210 ish. Yeah. And I knew no matter who that was going to end up being, that was such a low ball value on where they would be now. And now they're going, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Alaire are going at the 101. I don't know if it's an equal amount of times, but in startup drafts, they're now going towards the end of the first round at the early second turn in that range. And that's a pretty big jump already without having really done anything other than got drafted. Yeah. And we always say, I mean, you know, if you draft those rookie picks, the slots, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in January through April, uh, you stand to benefit because those picks aren't going down. 
you know, by late April into May, uh, whenever you have to uh, say click submit for actually making those picks that you selected in the startup draft months before that, uh, again, now you let everything settle. You don't have the veterans in lieu of those players that if you get, you know, five first rounders with some of your, your selections in a startup draft, you get to May. Uh, those those aren't veterans that maybe one or two of them lost value because of what happened in the draft. Um, so that's a kind of an ancillary benefit that a lot of people don't think about in, in addition to while I'm drafting rookies and you know, there's some risk with that and I don't know who I'm picking and stuff, but, but the positives are, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is taking current NFL players that could be suspect to the downturn. Yeah. I mean, imagine being the person who took Dalvin cook at the two Oh two versus the person who took the rookie 101 at 210 or or whatever. Right now, right. which player has more value? Yeah, incoming rookie isn't going to isn't going to be holding out. <laughs> well, yeah, we already knew that <laughs> a, anyway, right? Years, and that's yeah. how you insulate in a startup draft, especially one that has rookie draft slots, player to be named later. And you know that the pick value is just going to go up whether you take the pick or trade it at the time of when your draft is. Um, yep, you take them over veterans, and then guess what? You can get there and still trade it for veterans if you want. <laughs> Once you have the more information factor, um, I was going to ask you. So now that we're in June, again, the crackle in the air. We're getting closer. Yeah, um, yeah. What do you What do you think is one of those big dynasty trade mistakes? Say between now and the preseason or training camp or whatever sort of officially in pads, we're kind of seeing some ramp up towards week one. That would be our next checkpoint between now and then. What is a common mistake you see about dynasty trading and maybe just handling your roster? Just people trading for running backs between now and then a big name running backs um, thinking I've got to fix my roster right now. Um, Especially if they're an older big name running back, that's, that's, a good way, especially if you're trading a rookie pick in this draft or and something else to obtain them, uh, giving up on rookies too soon or giving up on the rookie picks too soon. Yeah, it's like you scout you scouted them, right? You scouted them and now you picked them, and then they lasted a week on your roster. And They're like tea; they've got a brew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let I mean, you steep. really want to have them. You really want to have them two, three years. Yeah, you know, to get a, a big sense of what you have. You want to encapsulate a lot of opportunity so you can get that upside that you thought they had when you drafted them. You know, and it's almost it's really weird sometimes that that people are immediately looking to move off of guys where it's like, wouldn't you have been targeting this player? And I, I mean, there's exceptions to that, but there shouldn't be many. You know, in terms of in terms of drafting someone and be like, eh, just really didn't feel good about it. I got, got trapped here. And and I couldn't trade the pick, and now I got the player, and you know now I want to trade the player. I, I mean, that is maybe a one in ten, one in twenty type scenario of the number of picks you make. Um, I actually wrote down the same thing. You know, I, I wrote down fixing your lineup or a weakness on paper in June right. was the the biggest mistake that I would uh, I would encourage folks that if if that is something you typically do. Uh, you start looking out the corner of your eye, you're like, oh my God, who am I going to start at tight end in week one? It's like, who cares? <laughs> it's, it's June. I mean, you may have two or three guys that an injury uh, all of a sudden paves the way for one of your guys that, that all of a sudden now they're an auto starter. And you're like, well, why did I trade for this Jamook? You know, two, three months ago, I gave up my 21 second for a stopgap starter. I don't need him now. And, that, and that's one of the dirtiest, you know, I rubbed it on my face kind of feelings, right? Of just going, 
and I, I threw away a pick where I was good to go before. You, you kind of want the season to start. Let's see what we have before you start going, all right, there's a weakness, there's a weakness, there's a strength. All right. I mean, good luck predicting that. It's June. We're going to have a bunch of twists and turns, and even the season isn't going to turn out exactly as you're projecting, you know, with your, uh, I'm just picturing right now, you got the green visor, like you deal, uh, yeah. you deal cards, and you're, you're, you're doing that big old fashioned uh, calculator where you, you press the buttons, you pull the, you pull the handle. It's like, oh, it says here that I'm going to be weak in week six at, at wide receiver. I better trade for a, a, a week six through week 10, 10 wide receiver in June. I'll be very proactive with that. People will be so impressed. Well, another anyway. thing that I see happening, you know, I'm in a five round rookie draft right now, and I've been in other four or five round, and I've got several more coming up shortly. But you see people trading a veteran player that isn't dead yet, that has some some decent, and they're trading him for a fifth round rookie pick that is such a flyer. Like if you've got two percent chance, right? If you already own the fifth round pick, take a shot. But if you are trading X Y Z player, <laughs> yeah, you know. They probably got a better shot than one to two percent because what are the, you're not going to keep that. Here's the thing: you draft that rookie, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna probably have the tolerance outside of a taxi squad setting to hold that player for what you're going to get to week two and you're going to get itchy. Or, or there's going to be players even, to pick up. What's even worse is seeing a veteran player that is a startable flex yeah. option traded. You're you're trading that plus the five oh seven to move up to the five oh four. Right. Really? really? Giant yeah. tear break, 504, that's it? That's the spot? <laughs> exactly. Like, really? That's your line in yeah. the sand? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's and, just cray-cray. Right. Where, where, again, you, you get in your little bubble, and what I always say is, no matter how much you like certain players, you still have to be grounded in the probability reality as I like to say, it's my Jeff Janis rule. It's something I've learned and I've, I, you know, I was in a recovery program, but now I feel like I'm healed. You know, I got the necklace, you know, I've been recovered for X number of years where I now know if I draft X player, I at least know no matter how much I like them that, Hey, they were a round five wide receiver in the NFL draft. That wasn't a Stefan Diggs, you know, top one, two, three percent, uh, profile score. So I know already, I mean, the odds of them, uh, how there's no way, first of all, I'm going to hold that player for 18 months. And so you're going to go through at most one season, probably a lot less. Maybe you might not even make till August. That's the point. And now you're sitting. So just knowing that that player has a one, 2% chance of hitting in year one to a point where you go, I'm the smartest guy. Look at me. Boy, wasn't I great at 504 because I traded up and I got them. So all these things, you just you ha- once you know that you can realize how crazy you're being. Now you can choose to be crazy, but I think as long as you know, you're probably not going to make that choice very often. As long as you go, you know what? Here's the historical probability based on the position where they went in the NFL draft, how much I like them relative to that, relative being the key word. And now you're making an informed choice, but one that's more balanced than just I love I love now I'm going to pick somebody that watch they work out. But I love James Robinson and I think he's the greatest. And so I have to take him at, at 502 because he's going to be the greatest. Well, 
again, have a little more analysis going on than that, a little less tunnel vision of, of what that pick is worth because you still have options. Like you said, you could trade for a veteran that probably has two, three, five X <laughs> the amount of chances to actually do something early on when that roster spot matters. Or you could potentially trade it, trade it for a higher pick next year and keep doing that sort of process over the course of time. You have, you have a lot more options than sticking, picking a player that, uh, I, again, how sticky will you be with the spot would be my biggest point. All right, Katie, uh, that's a show. Here's a show, that's a show, as I like to call it. Um, and we, we talked about early on in a startup draft, we talked about some trading. Always use Katie as a resource there on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder about patreon.com slash UTH, as well as UTHdynasty.com. Here's to uh, maybe some more sprinkling of the news fairy for next week. Either way, tons of stuff to talk about here on Under the Helmet for your Dynasty team. So for Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. Dynasty.